good morning, good afternoon, or good evening from wherever or whenever you are listening right now. And welcome to this bonus episode of the Churchosity Podcast. I am your host, the Theological Coordinator. These are the types of episodes that I like to call the postscripts, because these are the things that I think about when the record button is off and when things are quiet. So thank you so much for listening. You know, folks, comprehension of the Bible, it can be challenging and yet fruitful, but all the while an exciting journey. The scriptures are 100% accessible and are intended to be read and understood by anyone and everyone, not merely a select few. I will never believe the myth that God has made his message difficult to find or comprehend. Why do I study the Bible? How do I study the Bible? The answers to those questions depends on the purpose or reasoning for studying to begin with. The book of Proverbs is probably my favorite in the entire Bible. I have lots of favorite stories, I have lots of favorite passages, but as a whole, I really love the book of Proverbs. As a husband and a father of five children, my top priority is to let the Word of God penetrate and teach me how to be the man God intends for me to be. As a result, that translates into my spousal and parental roles and benefits my wife and children. The daily attempt to demonstrate the personal transformation of biblical discoveries are the greatest teaching and training tools. Almost daily, my wife and I read, study, and discuss the Proverbs. Since this book has 31 chapters, we choose our chapters in correspondence with the dates of the month. So, for example, today is a certain date, like May the 30th, and so we read Proverbs 30. In the months that are short of 31 days, we read to the end of the book on that final day of the month and so on. You get, you get the picture. It's a system we established years ago and we love it. We do this together because we desire to be able to identify with the author, understand the major differences between wise and foolish behavior, and we want to be in the pocket each day as we strive to navigate the day's events. Obviously, we begin our time with reading. I usually like to read aloud, at least once. And sometimes, if while I'm reading, something will jump out at me, and I will reread it aloud for emphasis. But on the days when chapter 31 is selected, I like to let my wife read because, you know, it brags about how awesome she is as a godly wife. But we'll take turns discussing which verse or verses we felt the Lord was impressing upon us. And as we're discussing, we'll usually access our favorite Bible translation website and begin digging deeper into those verses. It never ceases to amaze me how effective this inductive method of study affects and unifies the both of us as Christians, spouses, and parents. For example, consider Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I particularly love this verse because it is packed full of incredible insight. Just looking at the Hebrew of a few key words can be astounding. Fear can be translated terror, respect, 
or reverence. And knowledge can be translated discernment, understanding, or wisdom. And since Solomon, who was the author of this particular proverb, since he was considered to be the wisest man who ever lived, I'm going to perk up my ears when he says what the beginning of knowledge would be. This phrase is basically saying, if you desire to understand the practical, basic, and intended purpose or reason for something and develop expert-level wisdom about it, start by being absolutely terrified of God's holiness. Meditating for even a brief moment on me sitting in the presence of God makes me very afraid. Knowing He sees all of me makes me terrified. Not because I'm scared of God, but rather I am terrified of what there is in me that does not bring Him glory. I believe this to be a healthy perspective on the sovereign holiness of God. This phrase is followed by fools despised wisdom and instruction. This clearly tells me that true biblical holiness is foolishness to those who purposefully deny who God is, and even more so, those who are not fearful of Him. By the very definition of a fool, they are ones who despise wisdom and the need for discipline or correction in their daily lives. A fool is a prideful person who removes God from the equation of life, thus making their own will the priority. Practical application of what we discover in this verse may be displayed in the way we deal with guiding our children that day. For instance, we find out that our teenage daughter decides to create a second spam account on Instagram. We've allowed her to have a personal Instagram account for her to connect virtually with her friends and family, and we keep a close monitor of this account. But this spam account is what all of the other kids are doing. It's a way to post whatever they want, and it stays hidden from the parents. So as you can imagine, we are less than pleased to find out she has done this. Not just because she is disobeying the conditions that we have given so that she can have an Instagram account, but because she is hiding something naughty from us and following the unwise behavior of her friends. So we sit her down and we have a discussion. We tell her what we have discovered and how this makes us feel, that there is now a division in our home. We tell her how this is disobedient behavior and what God's expectations are of her according to Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3, which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. At this point, she is very repentant, so much so that after deciding what her punishment is going to involve, we could satisfyingly be done with the conversation. But as Christians, we want to train up our children to have a healthy view of God directly from His Word. So we all read Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 together and take turns sharing what the Lord is telling us and how that might pertain to this situation. So then my daughter looks at me and says, Dad, I think being terrified to stand before God is a real experience. In fact, ever since I created that second account, I've been terrified to be around you because I knew how disappointed in me you would be. 
Just like the restless feeling I get when I know I've sinned against God, I have been without peace because I knew somehow you would find out about what I did and that you'd be hurt by it, and I am so incredibly sorry. This entire scenario may seem like a trivial, fictional cliche of an example, but it actually did happen. And all I can say is this situation proves to my family and to myself how pertinent scripture is to the very mundane things of life and how alive the Bible is. From the perspective of a father, I see the pleasure God has with me as his child when I deeply comprehend his ways because my daughter sees the pleasure I have when she gains true godly wisdom. This is just one verse and a small dissection of the language brings to pass some enormous personal application. This method is just one example of how awesome it is to study the Bible on a personal level and how I most commonly approach the scriptures. Having the ability to personally relate to what I am studying in the most basic, elementary way is how I believe God intended us to understand His Word. And that is all I have to say about that. Thank you for listening to the Churchosity podcast, The Postscripts. Be sure to follow the show on all of the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Pod. So until next time, this is The Theological Coordinator saying, peace.